I'll tell you, man. And every Starbucks jazz album just proves my point, really. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. All right, folks, here we go. Seminars, next one up, August 12th through the 14th, then October 14th through the 16th, then December 9th through the 11th. For camps on the list, we have a coaching development camp on October 1st in Columbus at Starting Strength Columbus. That's covering how to coach the squat. Then we have a self-sufficient lifter camp on September 10th in Wichita Falls. We have a deadlift and power clean camp on August 20th in Indianapolis. And then some squat and deadlift camps on the list. One spot left in London for July 30th. Then we have Bergen, Norway, August 21st. Beaverton, Oregon at Starting Strength Beaverton on August 27th. Then Stockholm, Sweden on November 26th. Then we have some three-lift camps on the list. Greenville, South Carolina on August 27th, Brussels, Belgium on September 17th, and Orange County, California on September 24th. Have you checked out the Starting Strength Network yet? If not, why not? Join the Starting Strength Network and get access to exclusive content, videos, forums, all kinds of fun stuff that Rip does behind the scenes. Check out the Starting Strength Network through our link at our website. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. <laughs> so, here we are again. Uh, and as usual, you guys expect things from me that I may or may not be able to deliver. I guess we'll see at the end of the podcast here whether your expectations of me have been met. My expectations of you have been met this time because we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do comments from the lovers. And we're doing this because I get sick of the haters and just get tired of the intensely concentrated neutronium level stupidity. Yeah, you need a break. Right. You're getting a little burned out on it. I'm getting a little burned out. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to do... Not, we aren't, though. We're not getting No, burned you guys aren't we ever burned it. out on the it. Because you don't have to sit here and read this fucking shit. You take it personally. That these idiots... The fans, yeah, I, know, I shouldn't think. The fans aren't burned out either. But Fans we'll, aren't burned we'll, out. We'll give you a break. Well, I've got some haters here if you want me to read no, those. No, 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 not today. You sure? Yeah. Save them. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll save them. All right, here's the lever. Listen to Rip. Follow his advice. I did. My press is now 231 for three. I weigh 220. 5'9", still going up. I'm 48. Nice. That's a great one. That's a great one, isn't it? I like it. Hey, Mark. Great video. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Ripito is a funny bastard. Love the guy. Also, respect anyone who's stuck with strength training as long as he has. He offers a real service to people who are trying to overcome physical challenges. And Mark, 
seems like a pro mega dude too i tip a jug of milk to starting strength look at that they're out there they're out there like they're that. out there here's someone that actually appreciated you quit putting your plates on the bar oh yeah wrong okay watch 30 seconds and i'm subscribed <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Man, I feel the difference after starting to squat properly, as he explained. Feel stronger and safer. That's from the video correct back angle from the only platform series. Managing calluses with Mark Ripley. I figured this out about the callus myself when doing pull-ups. Part I was not sure about was if I had a stronger grip by reaching the whole palm over versus wrapping more around my fingers. Now I know this technique Rip is using is the way to go. I certainly trust his barbell coaching. Look at that. Changing lives. Changing lives. One life at a time. One callus at a time. One callus at a time. Okay, uh, simply unracking it is an accomplishment. This is the 405 Chase Moonley thing. That's incredible strength. Man. And that's (laughs) comments. Comments from the lovers. (laughs) Yeah, I see the point. They weren't, see, it's. I mean, yeah, the, the haters. It's it's just more fun to to throw hate out on the yeah. internet. That's right. all it is. It's just more what the internet's f- for. Positivity yeah. is has no place on the internet. No. Positivity, you know, goodwill, the truth. Nope. That's not look. That's not what this is about. That's what the internet's about. Yeah. Never has been about that. Hopefully, we still have people listening to this after after the comments. Not listening the to hater comments. Yeah, we probably ran most of our fucking listeners like, off. What with is this shit? Okay. Now, oh god damn! Look at this. I've got a real long one here, Ugh. and and I but I'm gonna deal with this because I told the guy that I would. All right, I told the guy that I would deal with it. I'm having second thoughts about it. I will have to say that I'm having second thought. <laughs> but I told him I'd deal with it, so all right. So Corey Kissel. Has been he's he's got this preamble here that's of no interest. But he says he's been training with clients at a gym for about four years. And he spends 30 to 40 hours average on the floor with them weekly. Primarily one-on-one and some small group couples mixed in. I've completed several certifications, CSCS, pain-free performance specialist, uh, certified physical preparation specialist, right? And I completed my Bachelor of Science degree in strength and conditioning Associate of Arts degree in personal training. I only share this to hopefully paint a picture of where I'm coming from. Yes, we know where you're coming from. I know I'm speaking on a forum where coaches here have been training with clients for much longer than myself, so I'm here to learn and grow as a coach. All right. Now, he's got a series of questions. All right, here we go. Here we go. 
having everyone squat to the depth of hip crease below top of the patella. Observing variable degrees of lumbar flexion to attain depth over the years, I've let some clients squat to this depth, and others felt it was a bit excessive. I'm aware that spinal neutral is a range, but from the individuals I've learned from in these organizations and certifications, etc., that were previously mentioned, depth stops when lumbar flexion of nearly any degree starts. I rarely see anyone squatting to the depth recommended in starting strength in these demonstrations without some type of lumbar flexion taking place. So we know where this is going. If there are any instances in starting strength where depth is discussed, as discussed in the model, would not be appropriate exclusively based on the amount of lumbar flexion taking place and not a lack of strength as discussed on how to slowly build the depth for those who are very deconditioned. So here's the deal, Corey. We do seminars now once every two months. We've been doing seminars primarily once a month, 12 seminars a year for about 16 years now. And we don't have problems with this. We don't have problems with lumbar flexion at the bottom of a squat because of the stance and the knee position. If you get your knees out of the way by pointing them out, by holding them in external rotation, abduction, and you use a stance that supports that, which means that your femurs are parallel to your feet when your toes are pointed out at about 30 degrees, then what happens is the thighs get out of the way of the belly and you get below parallel without any lumbar flexion. Now, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we, you know, it's been a very long time since we have not been able to get somebody below parallel at some level below parallel on Saturday morning. Right. Have you seen that in a while? No, one or one or two guys, but they're in rough, really rough shape. You know, and, and I don't know, it may have been at a at a camp, self sufficient lifter camp or something like that. But it's very uncommon. I mean very uncommon. I I don't know of uh one sticks out in my mind. We were up in uh New York doing a seminar one time up there and uh girl showed up. Looks like she's in real good shape, hot kettlebell girl. Yep. We couldn't get her below parallel. We couldn't push her into a position below parallel because she'd been taught to stop above parallel at the bottom of the kettlebell swing, I guess. And she just wouldn't relax and get down into the, into the bottom. That That is the only fit person that I remember ever having seen not be able to get below parallel with a good lumbar position by getting their knees out of the way the thing we talk about first thing one of the first things we address on the platform saturday morning in the squat is that knees out is depth knees out is depth 
if your stance does not support knees out, stance has to be 30 degrees from forward, 35 degrees in some cases, that allow the knees to stay out at a 30, 35 degree angle from the pelvis, from the frontal plane, then you may have trouble getting depth. But this fixes it. Knees out is depth. I can, we can get up to the work sets and I'll go around the room and examine everybody's squat and the first rep is a half inch above parallel. I'll just use the verbal cue. Knees out is depth. Knees out. Next rep's below parallel. All there is to it, you just got to shove your knees out and you'll get below parallel. So, uh, it doesn't surprise me that Corey here uh, is having a, a problem with this because the people that he's taking these certifications from don't apparently know how to squat. And they've not seen 500,000 squats in their life like I have. And we know how to teach this, and we don't see above parallel squats. We don't tolerate Furthermore, above parallel squats. Now, if we every once in a while, an 82-year-old guy will show up who's not strong enough to squat below parallel. Right. That's not the same thing. Don't mistake a lack of strength for a lack of flexibility. It's not the same thing. A man is not going to use a range of motion that he can't get out of. If he's not strong enough to get up from above parallel, he's not going to go below parallel. His central nervous system is a wonderful fail-safe mechanism that won't let him do that. But as a coach, you're supposed to be able to recognize that kind of a deal. You're supposed to be able to recognize when a man is not weak, is not strong enough to get up from below parallel as opposed to a lack of flexibility. You know, that, that kind of thing, insisting on making an old person go below parallel, is a CrossFit-level mistake. Don't make mistakes like that. And it's never a flexibility issue anyway. Never. All you have to do is have him sit on a box. That If he can sit on a box, he has all the necessary flexibility to be able to squat. If the box is below parallel. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody doesn't have that flexibility. Uh, it just doesn't happen. You know, you happen. might not be willing to do it. Right. Until we come around and browbeat your ass into that position. But, but we're successfully able to browbeat people into that position. So it's there. You know, it's a coaching issue. It's a coaching issue. It's, it's what it is. It's your fault. If you can't get your lifter below parallel, you're the problem, not the lifter. Right? Now, in my situation, I don't. I can't squat below parallel, any, parallel anymore because of my fucked up left knee. You know, I can't put it at that degree of flexion. But I'm a very, very special case. A very special case. Most people do not with a ruptured patellar tendon, do not squat at all. And I do. I squatted 235 last night. I was about two inches above parallel. But I squatted down to a box and got up off the box with a ruptured patellar tendon. I got a big hole in my patellar tendon. Uh, I 
learned I have to squat without any rebound at all at the bottom because I can't load the tendon that way. And I'm not going to risk tearing this thing any further. And just so you'll know, I did not tear the patellar tendon in the gym. That's not what happened. I fell off my water tank out at the house. I got my foot caught underneath me. So that's why I'm, why I'm injured. But, <clears throat> but everybody in a normal situation has got the ability to get below parallel and they should and they should and if there is if you've got bony impingement in the uh acetabulum uh at the femur you may not be able to squat below parallel but everybody else has to go below parallel and they show us that saturday morning because we make sure they do okay now let's see what did he say over here? He said, is there any instances in starting strength where depth is discussed in my... No, that was the question. Oh, no, no, two. All right, I'm sorry. Lack of upper back work, volume, prehab, injury, risk, mitigation, etc. in the program. This seems to be a big deal in a lot of the fitness circles I learned from and a big criticism of the starting strength program. I personally feel my upper back got much stronger through doing the starting strength program than 100 reps of banded or rope face pulls by just supporting a couple of hundred pounds in the low bar position for three sets of five. However, I've heard the importance of direct training the upper back so much that I question how important this type of work really is. And if not utilizing these methods is being irresponsible in programming for clients. Also feel my recent deadlifts above 250 pounds work the upper back quite well. And that although I can't tell how much lumbar thoracic flexion is taking place to get in position to pull from the floor, my upper back and posture seem to be doing great. Well, if you can't tell how much lumbar and thoracic flexion is taking place to get in position to pull from the floor, then you don't have a phone. You don't have a video function on your telephone film yourself and look and you'll be able to tell whether you're in flexion or extension right you assuming you know the difference but with all these fancy certifications surely you do uh so the question is is there enough work done in these direct upper back movements to balance out these muscles particularly the shoulder upper back being worked in the program to contribute to long-term joint health and injury risk reduction. What do you think the upper back muscles do in a deadlift? All right. You're making the proposal that these upper back muscles, the scapular retractors, the traps, posterior delts, be worked in a concentric, eccentric fashion. When the normal function of those muscle groups is to hold the scapulae in isometric position. They work isometrically. All right, now you're deadlifting 250, so you haven't got a deadlift. All right, what do you suppose will happen to the upper back muscles when you finally start adding? 10 pounds of workout to your deadlifts and then five pounds of workout and get your deadlift up to 495 
what do you what do you think will happen then to all that muscle mass hmm it gets stronger how does it get stronger gets bigger you ever notice how big power lifters have great big traps thick neck big shoulders that's from deadlifts they don't have to do direct face pull silly ass isolation movements with bands and dumbbells and chains and all this other bullshit because the deadlift trains all of that muscle mass in the way that those muscles are anatomically designed to work See, all these other people teach isolation stuff. They right. teach origin, insertion, and contraction. Yeah. I think I just wrote an article about that. Didn't I? Every, and every personal trainer um, convention workshop is essentially a weekend of personal trainers playing physical therapists. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, this, is the, this is the kind of the, the direction of the whole industry, the ones right. that are hard-charging and all about continuing education they're well, they're playing physical therapists personal so. trainers all wanted to be a physical therapist <laughs> well or they're or they're intrigued by it by the whole thing because yeah. it sounds complicated because it well, sounds it, scientific it's, well, exactly it's, it's it sounds like legitimate that, it's like whenever i was reading that nasm book you know you can't have anybody squat until you find all the imbalances and fix the imbalances because of course the squat is incapable of doing that exactly for itself but you know I, you can you know, charge people more whenever you're acting all yeah, technical about that shit. Right. You know? Complexity. Stupid yeah. people like complexity. And this guy's we, questions is making me have so many questions for him specifically. Yeah. Well, the the poor guy has not been training very long and and he and the reason I'm addressing this is because this is a this is a common set of concerns mm-hmm. that people have got. Yeah. And they need to think in terms of systems and not in terms of muscle bellies. And that is, I just wrote that article last week, a couple of weeks ago, we published that article about this very thing. You know, the, the body works as a system. It does just because you can tease out origin, insertion and contraction does not mean that that's the way the muscle belly functions. It doesn't. Classic example is the illustration in the blue book of the function of the rotator cuff. Look it up. It's drawn in in detail for you there. And the only time the rotator cuff, as it's called, group of muscles, act to externally rotate the shoulder is in the physical therapist's office with a band. That's the only time it functions that way because that's not what you do with rotator cuffs. And the deadlift and the press train that group of muscles in their anatomically normal function. Isolated external rotation is not the anatomically normal function of what is called the rotator group the external rotator, the shoulder external rotator group of muscles. That's not what they do. That's not what they do for a living. 
That's what physical therapists do for a living. But that's not what those muscles do. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Biggest overall question is in regards to overuse. With the pendulum swing to the constantly varied spectrum, as of late through the popularization of, uh, of conjugate training in the west side barbell variations of the squat bench deadlift all over YouTube, now I started with CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big criticism has been the same movement pattern with the same stance, same grip width as we overuse injuries in general wear and tear. Has this ever been an issue with clients using the starting strength method? No. Now, if your knees get tender when you're squatting, you're squatting incorrectly. And if you're going to squat correctly, you need to squat correctly every single time. You don't squat incorrectly part of the time to provide variety for the knees. You squat correctly the same way all of the time. You don't pick up a deadlift off the floor incorrectly to add variety. You determine through analysis of the physics and the skeletal and muscular anatomy what is correct and then you execute the movement pattern like that every single time without exception you practice doing the movement correctly every single time now one of the things that that our program does that nobody else's program does is that we do not use exercise variation as a variable we use load as a variable so you're going to squat correctly every single time but you're going to do it with five more pounds than you did last time same with the deadlift same with the press same with the bench same with the power clean power snatch you do them correctly correctly is defined as the most muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion you figure out what's correct and you do it correctly every time with more weight and i'm sorry if that's boring not everybody can deal with you know doing things correctly every single time right so no we that overuse injuries happen when you do things like sets of 20 which we don't do. We do sets of five. Overuse injuries happen with... Inefficient technique. Inefficient technique. You know, loading a joint in a way that that does not distribute the forces across that joint in an anatomically proper distribution. Right? A good example is the squat. We squat with our hips. Squat with your hips. Learn to squat with your hips because your hips are better at doing things than your knees are. Your knees are really kind of a shitty joint. All right? Now, I squatted 235 for a triple last night with a centimeter and a half big hole in my quadriceps tendon it's possible to deload your knees 
while still giving the quadriceps a lot of work. And the way the quadriceps get a lot of work is you get heavier. By the time you're squatting that way with 405, your quadriceps are working very, very hard. But the hip extensors are working harder because there's a longer moment arm on that group of levers. But if you if you want to get real strong when you squat, six, seven hundred pounds, the way you do this is you need to stay out of your knees and you need to learn to squat with your hips. All the big lifters squat with their hips. Whether they want to or not, really, they squat with our hips. You don't if you don't understand this, I'd invite you to come to one of our seminars because we demonstrate this quite thoroughly on Saturday. Now, this is this is the kind of question you'd expect from a weekend certification. All right, our certification is not like their their certification is a multiple choice test. Our certification is you demonstrating to us that you can coach before you even see anything that resembles a test. And we don't have a written test. We have an interview. We have an oral board, like serious certifications. We have an oral board where you have to explain to us what we need you to know. Okay? So, question, is overuse an actual concern, and if so, what criteria would make it a concern or attribute it to performing the same movement over and over again? High reps. That's why we don't do high reps. But really, you ought to be able to perform high reps if you're doing them correctly without producing an overuse injury. But what do you know about your form on the last four reps of a set of 20. What do you know about your form? You're tired, you're fatigued. And what happens to your technique when you get tired and fatigued? And you're just trying to get it over with. You're You're just just trying to get it it. the hell over with and you're not particularly concerned Mm -hmm. with your technique. Right. All right. If you're gonna get an overuse injury, that's the circumstances under which you'll get it because correct technique is suddenly not being paid attention to. That's what's good about fines, okay? Well, I guess that's all of that. So, all right, Corey, don't tell anybody that I didn't do what I said I was going to do. <laughs> all right. I just, uh, uh, so he's clearly asking you these questions. Yeah. Because he values your opinion on it. I'm yeah. assuming, I'm assuming. Well, I'm assuming he did. He didn't sound like a troll. No, no. So Sometimes trolls are cleverer. Than my, my question for him, if the certifications that he has acquired aren't answering these questions, why is he acquiring these certifications? Because he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know any better. He hasn't, uh, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not. You, you know, we don't charge enough for what we do. No, we don't. 
this certificate this 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 seminar is eight hundred and forty five dollars that's got to change and I, we've talked about that but this is uh, a kettlebell certification two thousand dollars it's insane to swing the kettlebell yeah and accomplish exactly what by doing so lightweight for mm-hmm. 10 minutes mm-hmm. yep but we're not selling a certification we're selling a seminar we're selling a seminar at which you have a have an opportunity right. to demonstrate your qualifications with that seminar material in other words before you get there to the seminar you're already prepared to demonstrate what the seminar is showing everybody else now that's a, that's not done in this industry mm. there's nobody in this industry that offers a product that is like ours at all. Yep. Yeah, you if know. you put certification, you can charge a bunch of money, but everybody's going to assume that they're leaving with the certification. Right, and we don't say that. We say starting strength seminar, not starting strength certification. You uh, you can apply to be examined for the certificate at the seminar, and that's the only place you can do that. But most people do not do that when they come to the seminar most people are there for the information it just happens that the the opportunity to examine the qualifications of an applicant to be examined is it takes place in this large group of 30 people all of which are performing all of the lifts and all of which are also coaching all of the lifts it's a different approach to the problem than anything in the industry and uh you know our pass rate's about 15 percent and that examination involves you coaching the material you know the cscs is a multiple choice test and it's the ticket the PE major punches when he gets out of school. That's why there's 35,000 of the second people. You know, it's just a, it's a ticket you punch to get out of school. And ours is not because if you're, you cannot pass our certification if the entirety of your preparation is a master's degree in biomechanics kinesiology exercise physiology you've not been taught any of the things you need to know to pass our certification at school because there is no school in the world that teaches these barbell exercises at the level to which you must be able to coach them to pass our certification process that's not our fault that's their fault right they could start teaching this if they wanted to but they don't they'd have to pay you they don't want to do that (laughs) i'm not going on a campus (laughs) all right now these are the starting strength network questions the chosen ones the few the few the proud 
the Moines. They're not really the chosen ones. They paid us. The few, the plowed, <laughs> the Moines. They they we nope. chose them because they paid right. us. <laughs> All right. Here's Marty Fox. Has hey, anyone ever Marty showed Fox. up to a seminar and qualified as a start train coach on their first try? Yeah, lots of people. It happens on occasion. Yeah, lots of people. It happens on occasion. I mean, because they, they show up. If you show up to the seminar the first time and you have your shit together, then, you know, I mean, there's no requirement that you come a second time. If you examine correctly and can demonstrate all of the shit we require you to be able to do, yeah, it happens every once in a while. Would you say it's it's more prevalent for the sheer fact that we drill into everybody, hey, if you want to do this, there's a lot to be expected from you. Yeah, well, it's because of podcasts like this. Yeah. Because we told them in advance what they have to be able to do. Yeah. Nobody shows up in surprise, mm -hmm. you know, surprised at the level to which they have to perform to become a starting strength coach. You know, uh, I mean, a whole lot more people have shown up and – and tried to do it than have actually gotten it done. And how many coaches do we have right now? Um, 120-something. 120, 130-something like that? Yep. Really? Yeah, there aren't that many. Wow. There aren't that many. There aren't that many starting rank coaches because it's, it's not the CSCS. But, you know, somebody shows up to a seminar – and does well the first try. There are people on the board that post on the board all the time that have never been to a seminar. But I have no doubt in my mind that would pass the first time they mm -hmm. they show up. You know, like Satch. That fucker has his shit together. There's no doubt about it. And I've never made him make an in, I've never seen him make an incorrect observation about a video on the web. And I'm pretty sure, watching the way he writes, that he can communicate well enough to, to get this done. And I wish he would. He'd be a valuable addition. There's several people on the board that are that are good, that are that are pretty damn good at this. You know, because they've been doing it a lot. They've been reading our shit a long time. They've been training a long time. They've got enough experience themselves under the bar, and they can coach this stuff. And those of you that are in that situation, I invite you to please come to the seminar. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. We've got opportunities for you to go to work if you'll do that. I think Satch has a job. He's... <laughs> All right. Brian Walker says, you've mentioned in the past warming up the deadlift with the power clean, and I recall someone you specifically mentioned, someone really strong that would run his power clean up to 405 and then start his deadlift. Yeah, that was George Hector. And it was 495, I believe. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> George was strong. That's nuts. George was real strong. I believe you also mentioned that more people should use cleans to warm up their deadlift. Yeah, I think that's a viable approach to the deadlift once you've learned how to clean why don't you just do your clean work before you get to 315 on the deadlift you're warm you've already established kind of a, a explosive pull off the floor it's a it's not emphasized i don't talk about it enough and i think that we ought to do that uh 
My question would be, at what point do you think this would be beneficial for a lifter? Would it be after hitting a certain number on the deadlift, or would you base it off of what percentage of your deadlift you can clean? No, I think it would it would be uh, once you're deadlifting over 405, I, you could productively use that. Uh, some people, like myself, are just not explosive enough to ever have cleaned. My PR clean was probably 275 on a 600-plus deadlift. Now, a lot of people can clean 275 on a 400-plus deadlift. Real explosive people can do that. But as a general rule, I'd say if you're deadlifting 405, you probably do three or four sets of cleans in front of your deadlift and use those as your deadlift warm-ups. Because as we know, as we know, the start position in the two lifts is the same except for the grip width, as we know. That'll get some hater coming. <laughs> what do I know about all that shit? Right? Rip, this isn't a question, but I wanted to say thank you for the TRT conversations. I'm 43. I had never thought about testosterone because I don't have sexual performance issues. I do have many of the other symptoms you've discussed. Fatigue, lack of motivation, difficulty concentrating, worrying about shit I can't control, difficulty gaining weight. I got my testosterone tested yesterday. It was 254. Starting TRT next week. He'll let me know how it goes. I highly encourage everyone to go get a test. I just used Google and found an ageless men's health office close to my house. They have franchises all over the county. Maybe he meant country. Uh, automatically treat you if under 400 or under 600 with free test under 11. Initial test was no cost. Treatment's two and a quarter a month. It's not worth having a fight with your primary care doctor and or insurance. Go straight to a TRT clinic. That is true. Yep. That is absolutely true. If you go to your GP, if you're dumb enough to have a GP, right, and you say you want a testosterone test, he'll draw blood, send it off, and he'll call you four or five days later and say, well, you're, you know, you're in the reference range. You're 254. Reference range goes down to 200. <laughs> so that means you're normal. Now, can you imagine the lack of understanding that a person would have to have who has gone through medical school who somehow has forgotten all of the things he learned as an undergraduate about physiology and the fact that there are no hard and fast rules about numbers and concentrations and averages that apply as a blanket rule to everyone. I mean, if he didn't learn that in undergraduate pre-med, he should have learned it in medical school, right? Now, everybody's different. Everybody's different. For some people, a 254 testosterone is, is asymptomatic, completely asymptomatic. For some people, a 900 testosterone is symptomatic. They need more than that. It varies. You can't make a rule about it. But 
your GP, unless he's very unusual, and maybe he is, but you go to your GP and your testosterone comes back within that range, which is an average of about 500 guys, an average. Here's the range of averages. Here's the range of tests, concentrations in 500 different guys. This is the range. And if you're within that range, you're, you're normal. No, that's not what that means at all. And if I have to explain to you why, you're, you're not going to understand the explanation anyway. All right? You, you, if you are symptomatic, then you give testosterone to the guy. All right? Because he'll be better with the testosterone than without it. And you'll be doing your job as a medical provider. But you have to understand what a reference range actually is. And we've talked about this. We talked about it with Anthony J. recently. And uh, we've got guests coming up in the future to revisit this topic because I think it's very, very important. And we're going to keep dealing with it. Okay. So dealing with your primary care physician about testosterone issues is not a productive way to use your time or your money right just go to a go to a trt clinic and get it over with all right okay uh let's see rip what is your understanding of the effect training has on cortisol levels and the body's ability to manage them due to strength training Well, cortisol is secreted in response to inflammation. It's excreted, it's excreted in response to stress, really, of any kind. Uh, so training affects cortisol level by causing its excretion. Now, under normal circumstances, if you are in a balanced hormone situation, your anabolic hormones balance the effect of the catabolic hormone which is cortisol cortisol tears down tissue hgh igf1 testosterone things like that build tissue back up both processes go on all the time but if you one of the effects of overtraining one of the things that causes overtraining is that you beat the shit out of yourself so thoroughly that the the presence of cortisol overwhelms its balancing anabolic hormones. Right? That's that's overtraining. So uh, you, it is possible to overwhelm uh, your ability to respond to cortisol by pro- producing so goddamn much cortisol that it can't. I hope that answers the question. Now, let's see. Hey, Rip, thanks for great information. Been to a seminar, camps, read the books. First question is how have you seen lifters use the stiff-legged deadlift successfully in the long term? My last session was 370, 360, 350 for five. I like the fact that not pulling the weight up your shins prevents you from using limit weights, but I'm worried 
When these get over four plates, they could present a recovery issue. Well, the answer to that is I don't program stiff-legged deadlifts. I don't see the point in it. Why do you want to exclude your quadriceps from the deadlift? Because that's what you're doing when you do a stiff-legged deadlift. That's why the lift is sub-maximal. So you're leaving out muscle mass. And I don't see the point. All right? Second issue is what percentage of your max pull should a row be to be useful to your training? I stopped at 265 because I was missing, but the weight felt useless regardless. So he says he's 39, 5'11", 219 pounds, squats 355 for triple, deadlift 455 for a triple, presses are 175 for singles across. He's benching 307 for singles across. Uh, you know, the percentage your max pull should a row be useful to your training. Well, wherever you're able to touch your belly with the row, you go up five pounds and you work that until you touch the belly with the row and then you go up five pounds again. In other words, you don't exercise it as you appear to be describing here. You train it. Now, it's not going to respond to training as effectively as the basic exercises. That's why it's not a basic exercise. But it can be trained, although at a slower rate. Uh, barbell rows are an explosive movement off the floor. They kind of resemble, in some ways, the power clean in that, in that, in that sense. Because you push as hard on the floor and as fast on the floor as you can to create enough momentum in the bar traveling up to slam it into your belly and then set it back down. That's, that's the way a barbell row should be performed, and we've got those on the website. You can see my demonstration of those. And uh, so it, it doesn't matter what weight's on the bar. You want as much weight on the bar as you can finish, as you can touch, and then go up from there, and that's training. All right, Coach Ripito, in the last paper Q&A, this is Ali talking, you called my legitimate question stupid. The harshness of your comment was so destructive, it made me immediately go to my bed. I listened, <laughs> listened to my favorite love songs on repeat, crying nonstop into my pillow until the last tear and my bloodshot piggish big eyes hit the pillow wow i'm kidding he says oh good <laughs> man <laughs> i hate to think i'd actually done it uh it made me uh to think why my question was categorized as such two possibilities i am genuinely stupid and belong to the miserable bottom three percent well, it's possible you yeah. know sure somebody's got to be in the bottom three percent it yeah. may be him. some of them may be our subscribers and two nick's hypothesis nick's hypothesized he that must be nick has hypothesized that the probably that probably i am new and i don't have the books in fact his assumption were correct <laughs> i took the recommendation went to amazon purchased four books blue book programming book strong enough and me no mr gravity i'm going to read your books in details Wait for my questions. 
That wasn't a question at all. No, Ali. it was a statement of why I'm right this and Ali is wrong. It. Out of lane question. Now, here's a question. <laughs> do you see yourself one day retire from paid work? And what do you think in general about conventional wisdom of retiring from work and taking the life easy after retirement age? It seems the government's every couple of years increasing the retirement age, and they say this is because the people live longer, so if they have to work for longer years before receiving a pension. What is your opinion and advice? Well, retiring's for people who don't like their lives, right? Retiring's for people that don't people that don't like their job. Yeah. If you don't like your job. Do you like your job, Rick? That's kind of the problem. Do you like your job? It's not a job. I just yeah. fuck around all day, basically. Doing this, this is not work. This is just fucking around. It's fucking around. I mean, if I wasn't talking about this to you, who'd I be talking to? <laughs> You'd be talking to Carmen at the gym. Carmen bothering her ass about it. <laughs> no, because she would eventually just shut the door. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be I'd be inside when that happened. <laughs> I'd plan better than that. <laughs> so paid work? No, no, paid work is what I mean. Look, if I had a job uh, as a uh, real estate salesman, or factory worker, or a factory yeah. worker, or an insurance salesman, or something that it would just be impossible to get real interested in, yeah. Yeah, I'd be looking to retire, but that's not what I've done. And I hope that's not what you've done. You know, it hurts my soul to think some of you people are just out there dreading the motherfucking getting up out of bed and having to go do this fucked up job that you hate every single day and just wait until you're 58 so I can retire. 68. Whatever the hell it is. 70, whatever it is. Whatever it is. I can't imagine. You know, I had a job in a factory one time for two weeks. I had one for three months. Couldn't stand it. Yeah. I couldn't stand it. I just, I I called the guy, uh, you know, Friday after I I knew him. I called him, you know, after I got through, went home, thought about it. And and I just called him and said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I hate it so bad. I know you don't mind it, but I hate it so fucking bad. My dad did it for 30 years. And I I can't do it. Now he's he's more determined than I am, but I just couldn't do it. I could not stand the idea of going in there and dealing with these stupid motherfuckers doing meaningless, repetitive, bullshit tasks that required absolutely no thought over and over and over again sweeping a floor and carrying shit around. i just couldn't do it that's how i felt whenever i quit the county when i quit working for the sheriff oh i'm sure i uh i, I woke up one morning and i was damn near having a panic attack i was dreading it so bad yeah that's when you know it's time to shuffle off to buffalo mm-hmm. yeah uh, how many that went and worked in the oil field how many <laughs> how many guys you know because there's there's the people out there who wait till retirement to do the things that they want to do with their life right so yeah. travel right. open right. start a business whatever but how many guys you know that uh retired and then they're done i mean they're just declined. well that's because they're physically not capable of doing the shit they want to do because they waited to 65 right. try to do it yeah and then and then you that, know? And now, then that decline happens very quickly yeah and my dad watched him do it yeah you know he sold the cafe and just proceeded to crumble right you know and you know i you know you can say a lot 
of nasty shit about me if you want to, but I had fun when I was physically capable of doing it. I'm not now. So I'm getting more productive work down, uh, done right now in terms of <laughs> what we do here than I ever have before because I can't ride horses anymore and I can't go out and build fence and work outside and, you know, fuck around in the mountains and stuff like that like I used to be able to do. I can't do it anymore. But I did it when I was physically capable of doing it. And I'm not so sure that that wasn't a good idea. You know? Whenever I, um, I've, I've kind of done it backwards. Well, well, it's I'm doing my work life right now while I've already had my retirement. Well, yeah, it's you know? depressing when you, you know, you're most productive in your 30s and 40s, yep. 50s, and you give that to somebody else. Yep. Um, oh, I know. I got most a, people do. got a good friend, company man. All the best years of his life he gave to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Hurts me. Always did hurt me. See that happen. This marvelous potential, you know, that could have been spent on him. Right. Being handed to some faceless corporation that didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Get a gold watch at the end. Yeah. Gold watch and probably a payment book with it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a nice glass uh, paperweight. For your desk. Yeah, yeah. Snow you know, dome or something. Uh, on on the know. flip side of that, though, you know, like I see John and Elise Glaze. Yeah. They get in the gym every morning and bust their asses so they can enjoy their retirement, so they can go out on those camping trips, so they can do yep. those hikes. And so I'm they can happy climb for mountains. Them. I really am. They're you know? doing a they're they're doing a good thing. Yeah. And they're finally having fun. And and they they say the only reason why they're able to enjoy their retirement is because they've gotten their asses in the gym and they got yeah. strong. No, that's certainly true. I mean. We, Half of the people in our gym are mm-hmm. over the age of 45, aren't they? Yeah. I'd oh, say yeah. half. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. more easily. than that. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, we don't we don't really deal with a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. We got a few here and there, just a variety, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd say most of the people in the gym are, while not of retirement age, but they're people that are consciously – making an effort to stay in shape so that they can be old more effectively. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, no, retiring, I'm, I just, I don't have a, a, I don't have a job I want to retire from. Yep. Is the simplest answer to that. Marty Fox who I've already read two times. Question, Marty Fox. He's making up well, for those. It, I take my question back. This one's better. <laughs> well, he's making up. Well, for Marty, those. you dumbass! You're on the second page. There were like here. three Q and A's that he didn't write a question, so he's making up. So for he's it. making up. Uh, yeah. All right, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, to expand on that thought, the modern pension is fairly new, where throughout history retirement would be that you would either have money or assets accumulated or be taken care of by children and grandchildren. Well, hold it. Ali asked the question about retirement, not Marty. What's going on? Do you understand how confused I am? These right guys now? colluded. Are they just? Are I, they just piggybacking know, off of the questions when they see them on the board? Right. Yep. I said, taken care of by children or grandchildren. What do you think is the ideal retirement situation that doesn't involve receiving government money? 
That is someone else's money. Or betting your life savings on whether or not the government's going to willfully destroy the economy. 401ks, IRAs, etc. are currently taking a shit. What's the ideal retirement situation? Have a job you don't want to retire from. Have a job that you can do, that you enjoy, that you don't mind going to work to do, that you don't mind working from home doing, that helps other people to the extent they want to pay you for it. Don't retire. Where does the idea about everybody gets to retire when they're 65? Where did yeah. that come from? Don't know, man. Probably from the uh, old old uh, manufacturing <clears throat> lifestyle that everybody lived in the, the just in the where 40s, the factory 40s, just 50s. used your ass all the yeah. way up, and then you retired with a nice pension and you were good. And you sat down and shut up and yeah. weren't any trouble anymore. Right. Well, I guess Henry Ford thought that up, didn't he? Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe it's our friends in the unions. Unions, I think, have contributed quite a bit to that. Unions are a, a dying thing, though. They're yeah. a thing of the past. They managed to kill yeah. that at Amazon pretty well, didn't they? Oh, well, they killed I that fast. Well, they damn sure did. I haven't heard a thing about unionization. Remember how unions were so good on the left and shit? And now Amazon doesn't like unions, so <laughs> the left has agreed to stop talking about, <laughs> about unions, haven't they? <laughs> yes. It's almost like somebody in the government is being paid to say no to these things. All right, Tyler Perkins. Our friend Tyler Perkins. I have a stupid uncle, and I would love for you to weigh in on his mythical record-breaking bench press claims. For the past 20 years, he has claimed that on a whim, he walked into a bench-pressing competition held at a college... I've told this story myself. Put himself <laughs> in the lineup, called for 500 pounds, <laughs> and did a set of six. <laughs> Andrew completed his set. Much to his surprise, he realized that he'd actually benched 545 wow. because he forgot the bar weighed 45 pounds. So, 545 for six off the street. But he called for the weight. So yes. somebody else loaded it for him. Yes. But he didn't call for 545. He called for 500. Yes. And somehow they loaded You're 545. You're poking holes into the man's story, Somehow they story, loaded right? 500 pounds on the 45-pound bar because they were as stupid as he was. <laughs> right? Uh, man. Long story short, he set a new record of some kind, but unfortunately all documentation, <laughs> including Sad. his trophy, were taken and wiped from existence after later discovering he was not actually a student at the school. <laughs> He is a fairly fat, physically average guy who has never done anything considered training. That's so awesome. I believe I am well aware of the reality of the situation, but <laughs> is this in any way possible? Have I been unjustifiably shitting all over my freak prodigy uncle all these years? I must know. Oh. No, Tyler. <laughs> this man is your standard uncle. <laughs> Which is the same thing as brother-in-law, right? Yeah. You know, a friend of my brother-in-law knew this guy in college that was in the Army with a guy 
whose little sister benched 700 pounds. <laughs> That's about how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was 545 for six reps. 545 for six. So he did one six. rep and just kept going, and they didn't stop him. Yeah. Well, this guy's a 635 bencher. Yeah. Yep. Just off the street. Yep. Hey, it happens. He didn't even bother to look up what a lifting meet looks like. Like what happened. Hey, it happens. That he loaded he loaded his own bar. There's a there's a guy in Owl Park that lifts at the gym there. He just did a meet. Um, he benched 500 at that gym, and then at the meet, benched 545 raw. So really? He's a bench. You think he'd been training? Yeah. He's been training. <laughs> he didn't just walk in cold. <laughs> hey, it sounds like they're having a lifting meeting. Let me go in there. I think, uh, what, let, let me see, see what, let what they're see doing. Let me see what I can do. I've always wondered what I could do. Uh, 500. That sounds like a good way. Put that on there, and I'll just <laughs> no, take it. It's a nice goes, round he goes number. To this guy's like, what'd you do? And he goes, 495. He goes, put 500, 500 on there. there. Right. He just goes over and does it. Right. Yeah, it happens all the time. Hey, it happens. <laughs> You've heard of that a lot recently, right? <laughs> 39-year-old guy falls over dead it happens. for no reason. Hey, It just happens. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. Could just be. happens. Something, you know, I mean, you've heard of that happening before. I mean, you've heard Actually, of, no, I haven't. You've heard of dehydration, right? I mean, it's, it's hot. It's yeah. hot outside. <laughs> the autopsy won't say anything about it, though. What autopsy? No, autopsy's <laughs> inconclusive. You don't do autopsies yeah. in 2022? No, adult, we, not on young we don't men. need that data. Not on young men who... No, not on young men who just, just fall over fall dead. Fall over dead, yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right, here's one. With much of the country being devil's anus hot, do you have any secret trick to get over heat exhaustion? I know... Prevention is best, and hydrate before, during, and after. But since I'm sure you've dealt with this a time or two, I would bet Breeze Paycheck. Are you having a special remedy to speed up the process? Bree doesn't get paid. Once you get heat exhaustion, no, there's nothing you can do to speed it up. Now, why did you get heat exhaustion? Let's prevent it, shall we? Let's stay hydrated. Let's stay hydrated with cool, with liquid, with ice in it, or just eat ice. And let's be in good electrolyte shape, shall we? Let's take a multiple mineral consisting of twice as much calcium as magnesium and all the other trace minerals, and then lots and lots of potassium, this prevents these kinds of problems from happening you start sweating real real bad and you start shedding minerals and your electrolytes get low you're going to have problems you keep that from happening by taking a bunch of minerals and it's real 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 hard to take too many minerals you know i suppose it would be possible to take too much potassium i don't see how when the the recommended daily allowance of potassium is three and a half grams. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't think you did because nobody does because that's one hell of a lot of potassium. Yeah. And what's funny about that is that when you buy potassium gluconate tablets, those are 100 milligrams of potassium. <laughs> so if you're going to get all of your potassium from 30 of them. 35 of them a day is what you'd have to take. And what this means is that 
Potassium's in a lot of food. It's a normal component of vegetables and fruit and stuff. And you eat enough of that, and you're probably okay. But if it, if you're working outside and you're sweating yourself all the way out two or three times a day, you're going to have to take some minerals or you're going to have some problems. But that's, that's the thing to do. Once you get heat exhausted, that's, that's a bad situation. Yep. That's a bad situation. You, you perturb your mineral balances that much, and that's what they fix with IVs in the hospital. All right. All right. Hi, Rip. I have two questions. Hope you'll answer. First one is, why is it important to lock out the knees at the top of the squat? I've been told my squat shows pretty good technique. However, two coaches say I need to lock out the knees at the top between each rep. I have an old injured right knee, which seems fine using my reps. When I stand up, when I try to stand up, knees locked out at the top, I do not feel very secure with the weight on the back. feels like it will fall off and feel somewhat instability on the knee. You don't actually finish the full range of motion of the of the squat movement until you're locked out at the top. You know, it's a resting position. If your knees are not locked out at the top, something is having to support them at that angle of flexion. So if you're trying to do a set of five, resting position at the top is with the bony column supporting all of the weight, not the quadriceps and the hip extensors holding a degree of knee or hip flexion. That's the most important thing I can tell you. You know, you're trying to get a full set of five. Just stand and up like normal. You don't stand up straight, you're not in a resting position between reps. Just stand up normal. Just stand up normally. You know? Well, as things get heavier, there's, the a, there's a tendency you know? to not lock out even more so the mm-hmm. the reps are real inconsistent yep yeah so in other words a, a stopping point right you know when you when the rep is over yeah you're measuring yep you're measuring your range of motion with a lock right that's a very good way to think about it right and now second question is why does everyone one's head why does everyone's head seem to physically grow with added muscle and body weight increase there's no actual muscle on the skull growing, as far as I can, as far as I understand, with my limited anatomy knowledge. Out of everyone on the show, it seems Rusty's head is the biggest. Is this normal? Please explain. I have a tiny head. <laughs> Rusty doesn't have a big head. I mean, not it's in the my, head sense. My, my body might be too small. That's the problem. Rusty's got the. You've smallest got masseter muscles head. on the side of your skull. Sure. You know, you don't have an occipital crest like a like a dog does, but you've got chewing muscles all the way up to about right there. Well, also and, the, the size of the neck makes the head look. Yeah, like you know, too, and now. you just develop thicker skin as you get older and stronger and stuff. You know, everything thickens. Skin on your shoulders thickens. You know, it's not just it's it's actually thickened skin. The dermis is thicker. Uh, there are muscles operating, you know, all kinds of motions in the head. Yep. And they grow. They get thicker. Uh, 
But no, Rusty wears like a six and a half hat. Oh, right. It's, it's, he's, he's, it's comical how he, small he's, my head is. He's kind of. It really is. Really fucked up looking, you know. Just order special hats. <laughs> but only found one that fits. Children's hats. <laughs> it kind of bothers me that you're that wrong about Rusty. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm thinking that he I, means I'm, like in terms of uh, big head, like like the big head. Like he's got a big head. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think that's don't think what he so? means because he's he talking about the physical the size of Rusty's head here. I think he was trying to make a joke that didn't go so you well. You think he's being funny with... Trying to, yeah. Could be the biggest head. I don't feel like Seems Rusty's head is the biggest. I'm <laughs> the what opposite of an ego. <laughs> <laughs> it's called insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm out of stuff to talk about. You guys got anything y'all want to discuss? I'm just glad that last time. I mean, we over. can, you know. <laughs> we can talk about whatever you want to. I don't have anything to talk about. I don't really much either. Yeah. I just got to think about the drudgery of my life and waking up another day to do this <laughs> fucking job. Waking up another wait, day. Waiting for wait retirement for, age. Waiting for retirement. <laughs> going through the motions. I can't wait till I get that starting strength pension. Just, yeah. It's, <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> I'm waiting for that too. Wait, since I'm an employee, is there is there an option that I yes. don't know about? Yep. Yeah, there's yeah. an option. Yeah. You could quit. <laughs> <laughs> there's always options. And you and Bree are paying dues into the Strength Workers of America. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know. That. SWA, man. SWA, yeah. SWA. <laughs> hey, we got to start that. Now that you mentioned it, don't you know we ought to start that? Let's do it. What are the benefits of it? I, there won't be any. <laughs> <laughs> you just pay us. You, you just, just pay us, money. <laughs> Union dues. <laughs> oh, oh, I like it. That's all right. Well, now that that's all been said, you people. Yes, you. We'll see you next week right here on Starting Strength Radio. <laughs>